to Crosstown. It's great to see all of you today. We are in the middle of a series called Plotline, and what we've been learning about is that it's really easy for us to lose the story in the middle of the story. You know, and I, I, I think this is particularly true if you've been married for any amount of time, you might have lost the plot line of what your marriage was all about. Remember how that thing started out? Oh, you were just incredibly in love. You were so different. She was, there was no other woman like her. And, and he was like, oh, you know, you were willing to fight your father for him. I mean, you were just incredible. And you stood in front of a minister and the vows were read and you looked at each other and you, you said that you're not going to be like your parents. And, and you would just go on your trip and you come back. And about three years later, you're like, um, uh, you know, or maybe you get 10 to 15 years in it and you lose the plot line. It's like, what, what was this thing about? Oh, that's right. I said, I loved you. I said, you were the most amazing man in the world. I hope your marriage, if your marriage has lost sight of the plot line, maybe today will be kind of a, a rekindling to kind of think back what your life is about. Countries lose plot lines. Marriages lose plot lines. Family lose plot lines. I don't know if you watched Obi-Wan Kenobi on Disney+. Plus, But, well, okay, that's good. There's a couple nerds out there. Um, I'll tell you about episode number two. I thought they lost the plot line. I'm like, is this about Princess Leia or is this about Obi-Wan Kenobi? I won't spoil it for you. I see some of you are really concerned that I'm going to ruin this. I won't tell you how it ends. But you can get in the middle of uh, a story or a movie. And I don't know if it's just because I'm 63, but usually about one hour into a movie, if I'm in a really good chair and I don't care if it's in public, I'm asleep. If the plot line wanders for a moment, just a moment, if Doctor Strange doesn't do something right away, I'm out. And I think in, in Christianity, we lose plot line, especially in the Bible Belt. It's so easy to lose what's the plot line of Christianity. I mean, because it's kind of like woven into the language of, of Charleston. I'm from Boston. So, you know, up in Boston, we, we, we use the Lord's name in vain all the time. We F-bomb, we do all that other stuff. I mean, we're, we, we're just like, we're, we're just out there. Down here in Charleston, it's, you know, you can God bless somebody and talk about them behind their back. And, and you can just kind of, as long as you go to church, you don't drink too much and, or at least get seen in total wine store or anything like that. You're pretty good. And we lose what the plot line is. That's so funny. I mentioned total wine. Half of you have got the I've been caught look on your face. Um, that's okay. That's okay. So we're doing our journey to try to get back to the plot line. And we learned about eternal life, a phrase we use a lot. We learned about atonement. And today we're going to be looking at a concept that we really don't understand. It's a word that we use that doesn't, it's not part of our vernacular. It's the word covenant. And we hear about old covenant. We hear about new covenant. You hear about covenant when you go to a wedding or in wedding vows, I take a, this is a marriage covenant. But other than that, we pretty much don't use the word covenant that much. Maybe covenant and restrictions. Isn't that interesting? What a negative context. Covenant and restrictions mean that you can't keep your camper in your front yard. So we, we, but we don't usually use this word a lot. But we're going to get back to discovering the plot line of the power of covenant. Let's watch. If you've been around Christians, you've probably heard of the idea of having a personal relationship with God, which could mean different things in the Bible, like having God as a friend, or your father, or 
maybe your teacher. But there's one particular way that the Bible talks about this relationship that you find all over. But strangely, we don't talk about it that much. And that's the idea of a partnership with God. A partnership like working alongside someone to accomplish a goal together. Right. And this is actually what you see at the beginning of the Bible. God creates this good world full of all of this potential. And then God appoints these unique creatures, humans, as his partners in bringing more and more goodness out of all that potential. But the humans don't want to partner with God. They rebel and try to create a world on their own terms. And so this broken partnership is the Bible's explanation for why we're stuck in a world of corruption and injustice and the tragedy of death. It's not like there's just one or two humans who have bailed on this relationship. In the story of the Bible, everyone has abandoned the partnership with God. So what God does is select a smaller group of people out of the many, and he makes a new partnership with them called a covenant. And in a covenant, God makes promises, and then in exchange asks his partner to fulfill certain commitments. And the purpose of all of this is to somehow use this covenant relationship to renew his partnership with everybody else. Now, there are actually four times in the Old Testament that we're told God initiates a covenant relationship with Noah, Abraham, the nation of Israel, and King David. And it's through these that God is forming a covenant family into which all people will eventually be invited. So let's see how these work. The first one is with Noah. So in this story, God has just brought the flood to cleanse the world of humanity's corruption. And Noah and his family are the only ones left. And so God makes a covenant with Noah saying, listen, I know that humans will continue to be evil, but despite that, I'm not going to destroy it like this again. Instead, the earth will be this reliable place for us to work together. Great, so what does Noah have to do? Nothing. And that's what's so interesting about this first covenant is that God is promising to be faithful even though he knows humans won't be. The next time we see God make a covenant is with a man named Abraham. God chooses him, promises to bless him, give him a large family, lots of land where they can flourish. And in return, God asks Abraham to trust him and train up his family to do what is right and just. And the whole reason for this covenant is God says that somehow he's going to bring his blessing to all families of the world through this one family. So that's Abraham. The next time we see God make a covenant is when Abraham's family grows into the tribe of Israel. And this covenant is with the whole tribe. God asks them to obey a set of laws, which are these guidelines for living well as a community of God's partners. And if they do this, then God promises to bless them and that they will become a people who then represent him to the rest of humanity. That's the covenant with Israel. The last covenant is with King David. Yeah, the tribe of Israel has become this large nation ruled by David. And God asked David and his descendants to partner with him by leading Israel in obeying the laws and doing what is right and just. And God promises that one day, one of David's sons will come and extend God's kingdom of peace and blessing over all the nations. So those are the four covenants that God makes in order to restore his partnership with the whole world. But here's what happens. Israel breaks the covenant. They worship other gods, they allow horrible injustice, and so they lose their land and are forced off into exile. So it seems hopeless. 
But during this time, Israel's prophets talked about a day when God would restore these covenants in spite of Israel's failure, somehow. Yeah, they called it the new covenant. And this is actually what's so interesting about Jesus is that he's introduced into this story as the one who fulfills all of these covenant relationships. We're told that he's from the family of Abraham, and so he will bring the blessings of that family to the whole world. We're told that he's the faithful Israelite who was able to truly obey the law. And we're told that he's the king from the line of David. And so he goes about extending God's kingdom of justice and peace to all. And that's really remarkable for one guy. Yeah, and what it highlights is perhaps the most surprising claim of all made about this man, that Jesus is no mere human, but rather God become human. And God did this in order to be that faithful covenant partner that we are all made to be, but have failed to be. And so through Jesus, God has opened up a way for anyone to be in a renewed partnership with him. So Jesus calls people to follow him and become part of this new covenant family. And despite their failures, Jesus is committed to making them into partners who are becoming more and more faithful. The story of the Bible ends with a vision of a fully renewed world, full of goodness and peace. And there's this renewed humanity there, partnering together with God to expand the goodness of his creation. And so the end of the Bible story is really a new beginning. What an incredible presentation of this concept. And I love it so much because we are usually invited to something that looks like believing, aren't we? As Americans, we are all forced into a choice of deciding whether or not we believe God exists. That's usually the cultural conversation. Do we believe he exists? You see how far beyond that this conversation is. This isn't just yes or no, I believe in the existence of God. You know, I I saw a statistic that uh, Americans back in the 1950s and 60s, 98% of Americans believed in God. Uh, Back in the 1990s, 87% of Americans believed in God. And now in America, only 80% of Americans believed in God. Uh, And I actually, it made me sad, not that the number was 80, I was made me sad that the number wasn't lower. Uh, And because based upon the behavior of human beings on planet Earth, I would have hoped more people didn't believe in God because that would explain their behavior. But really what it does is it shows that a lot of us look at the question is whether or not do we believe God exists or God doesn't exist. And if we answer that in the affirmative, we're good with God, we're in with God, that's all it is. And it's like, no, 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 this has got so much more built into it. This is, it's not just affirming Uh, agreed upon beliefs. It's not just voting uh, the left or voting the right. It's got nothing to do with any of that. It's got something to do with this person, Jesus. It's about this relationship and partnership that we have with God. Uh, And I think it's, it's awesome because do you see how big a deal Jesus is? I mean, he's a big deal. I mean, there's no way you can pull off this agreement with God unless you're kind of like, and do it for man unless you're man and God at the same time. I mean, it's like, this, Jesus isn't just a good guy. You know, Jesus isn't just a good example. There's so much more going on in the story. He, he fulfills what we couldn't accomplish. He, he unlocks what we couldn't open. He, he, he gives us what we couldn't earn on our own. He's, he's got all this and it all comes through this potential. And you say, well, why would God do all that other history when he knew those other covenants would fail. It's like, because humanity needs to be shown what it's not only capable of, also what it's not capable of. 
Sometimes your best beginning is to find out that you come to your own end. And at your end, when you realize what you can't do without God, God's like, all right, we got an opportunity for something really new here. So I think we get confused on how covenant operates daily. I mean, this is kind of a historical presentation, but how does it happen daily? I mean, uh, sometimes we feel like we're in. Sometimes you feel like you're out. Sometimes like you did something wrong. You feel like, okay, I'm not, I'm not in relationship with God right now. Sometimes I feel like I'm in relationship with God. And, and, and so kind of there's some psychology that plays on our heads about this concept of, of uh, covenant. So let's walk through that for just a little bit. And I'm talking about walking through this. I can't explain it any better than they did. But how does it work out daily on the daily interaction with you, me, God, sin, compromise, uh, all that there, I mean, how does that all work out? So let me define a legal term that we're going to be using off and on. It's the word ratify. It means to approve or enact a legal binding act that would not otherwise be binding in the absence of such approval. It needs the affirmation of something. It's authoritative. It can't just be something that we just say, but rather it's something that's legally binding. It's something that unless the ratification happens, it, it, it hasn't happened. In America, we have an idea about God that's this way, that we are all God's children. Nobody ever said that. God didn't ratify that. Uh, scripture says, to as many as receive Christ, to them he gives the power to become the sons and daughters of God. But yet we kind of all, I mean, I'm not trying to be ugly here, and God's not trying to be ugly, but he just wants us to know where we are relationally. Because you got to know where you are relationally to expect something from another person. It's like, are we friends? Yeah, I should expect something from friendship. Oh, are we family? Oh, I should expect something from that. Oh, are we married? Oh, I should expect something from that. And so it's really important to realize that unless God has ratified it, it may be a nice American notion. We are all God's creation, and that's a wonderful place to be, and that we are all created in the image of God. That gives us distinction from all of the creation. But there's this thing called covenant partnership with God through Christ that makes us the sons and daughters of God that changes what we expect, what we will encounter, what our future is like, what our, what our past, uh, how it's dealt with. So a couple of things about this covenant. First, I cannot ratify a covenant with God by being a good person. So just get that, get that out of your head. Just being a good person doesn't make you a ratified person in the covenant with God. That doesn't, that doesn't do it. Because what ends up is, well, which one of us is that? Which one of us is the really good person? Well, then we have to, we'll have to compare your behavior to my behavior. Is my behavior more acceptable than your behavior? Well, I'm a good person. I didn't murder somebody. Um, yeah, I deal with jealousy, but I really don't deal with hatred. Yeah, but I, you know, I deal with this, and when I don't deal with that. And, and, and then which one of us has the power within us to be so good, so perfectly on all the time that we get to look at God and say, God, I am so good I am ratifying my contract with you, you know? It's like, you gotta let me in, I'm ratifying it. Now, when you look at it in that terms, it's absurd, isn't it? But sometimes we walk around and we think, well, you know, if I'm a good person, then, then you know, I'm in. Um, 
And likewise, well, I'll, I'll deal with that in a second. Scripture I, it says to us out of Isaiah 64, it says, for all of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like filthy garments, and all of us wither like a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind, they take us away. I don't know how long you have to live before you finally kind of like, yeah, yeah, I got you. That's, that's me. I, I've, and, and we live a certain amount of time. You begin to realize we wither. There, there are times when all of our good intentions don't work out. Um, and without the work of God in our lives, we'll never see the kingdom of God or what God's best is for our lives. There's another thing about covenants. There is no other ratified covenant with God except the one God made with Jesus. Okay, this one bothers you. I know, I, I study philosophy and theology so that I can present answers. This is one of the ones that causes you the most rub. But I have to tell you, scripture presents that the only ratified contract that we have with God that is valid, signed, and authoritative is the one that is given to us through the person, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, ratified by his blood. It's like, what, really? The, uh, that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody comes to the Father except through me. He didn't say I'm one of the ways, I'm one of the truths, I'm kind of the life, uh, but he's like, no, this is the ratifying element. There is no other religion in the world where somebody has the power of ratification. I, I challenge you to look at all other religions. I don't even know if all the other religions even want to ratify a covenant relationship with God. But, but in Christ, we have, it's almost kind of like hand, God handshaking himself because God can't handshake man because man always breaks his, his promise. So we got God as man coming and ratifying contract with the Father. There is no other religion where God is in the ratification of the contract on your behalf. But also, in all that energy, in all that, that sense of exclusivity, let me also say this because I have been in the Bible Belt for about f almost 40 years now, and we tend to overstate something that we shouldn't say. It's one thing to not say what the Bible says. It's also uh, wrong to say something that the Bible doesn't say. The Bible does not proclaim the unequivocal damnation of all human beings who are in other religions who have never heard of or never were properly presented who Jesus Christ was. You say, whoa, that's your, this is a new age church. No, Billy Graham believed that. C.S. Lewis believed that. How can they believe unless they've heard, the Apostle Paul says. And we have example after example of example of people groups that were not, a part, that were not in the highway of the gospel being preached and did not hear it. And, and, and so in the, we tend to, in the Bible Belt, we kind of say, well, they're all going to hell. I don't know about you, but that sounds a little, little rough, you know? Especially if, if, if hell's all about rejecting Christ. If hell's about consciously rejecting Christ, how can you do that unless you have heard? And Paul makes a whole soliloquy in the book of Romans about how, can, how could that be possible? He said, well, then what's God do with him? Well, I know this. Um, if he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son and allowed his blood to be shed for the sins of the world, I think I can trust him with those people, okay? 
So I would ask Christians to stop saying stuff you don't have authority to say. But God loves people. He'll do the right thing. You know, I, I, uh, I'm, I'm, this isn't a commercial, but it's just real life. I'm in the middle of buying a car, you know, and, and uh, I got to get rid of that gas mileage. I'm getting 11 miles to the gallon. My car takes only premium gas. So it's like, this is not working for me. So I got a, a, a buddy up at, uh, 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 what do they call it, Stokes Mazda, who's hooking me up with a car. It's a really nice thing. And so when you have somebody that does a really good deal for you, it works out, you have no problems going to a friend and say, hey, listen, go on up there and see Billy. I said, don't go to Jimmy. Now go to Billy. Now Billy will hook you up. He'll, he'll, he'll do you right. Now I can't say he's going to save you money, but he'll be honest with you. I can say this about God. I don't know exactly how the deal will go down with other people who are in other religions, who are living in the middle of Kamchatka someplace uh, in Asia, but I do know this that the God who loved the world and wishes that no man should perish will do that which is right every single time. It will be loving, it will be just, it will be righteous in every way. But yet we tend to overstate the in and out um, clauses. Another one, outside of covenant with God through Jesus, I am not a part of the blessing of forgiveness and belonging. Okay, we just need to realize this. Outside of the covenant that you have with God through Jesus, um, there is no promise. I look on Instagram every day. I, I, I'm probably way too childish, but I go on Instagram and I look at all the little reels and feeds and go on Facebook and watch this little comedy thing and this little uh, uh, dog that barks and sounds like a, a little baby and, and all the other things. But also you see all these different... Um, uh, cliche verses or adaptations of scriptural verses about God causes all things to work together for good to those who call the good. It's like, boom, boom, boom. It's like, wow, that's great. It's like, no, but if you delve deeper into all these promises, there's this idea of implied covenant relationship between you and God. But we're always just like claiming a verse and then putting it up there. But it's like totally discounting that that verse only applies in, in the covenant of belonging. And that covenant of belonging only happens through Jesus Christ. We've kind of forgotten that in America. We just, we kind of forgotten that America's not the church. I mean, I love America, but we've forgotten God made a covenant agreement with his church. We are the outflow of that covenant agreement. So he sets the parameters in the context. Jesus said this, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, or Paul said it, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. What is it implying? It means if you don't, you aren't. So the sobering thing for you today may be whether or not, wow, I thought I was in covenant relationship with God all this time. I was like, no, not just because you're on Instagram, not just because you got the Bible app on your, on your computer, not just because you celebrate Easter, not just because you believe in the existence of the invisible God. It's like, no, he, he, he says something like, unless you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. And I'm just like, is there something magical about the mouth or something about the heart uh, and, and about thinking and all that other stuff? Well, all I know is that they are the, the powers of volition in the human experience. It's like what you say, what you think, what you feel, what you hold in your heart. It's kind of like, that's who you are, you know? It's not just what's in your heart, but it's what's coming out of you and all that. And, and so 
Paul's like saying, listen, this isn't just believing. This is like covenant is when you enter into this, this volition of soul that, yeah, God, yeah, Jesus. Yeah, I want to be a part of this. And apart from that, expect nothing from God other than you'll see him one day and give him your best and hope it's good enough. Okay, I'm sorry for being silly. Here's the other one. And this is the kicker right here. Inside the covenant with God through Jesus, my sins don't get me kicked out. Okay? Now, I know all of you are like, okay, I got it, but I'm here to tell you, you don't got this. You don't get this one. And, and I know that from 30 years of being a pastor, watching you go into shame, out of shame, um, into all the different things that we go into is we want to believe this, but we don't believe this. This looks too good to be true that I, because of my relationship with Jesus, I'm in, but my sins don't get me kicked out. But I think psychologically, we don't operate that way. If you don't get this right, you will constantly evaluate yourself by your worst mistake. If you think you're only as good as your, your divorce, you don't really get the idea of covenant. If you think you're, you, you are only good on whether or not you have figured out your sexual identity, whether you stop being gay or not, okay? Then only when I stop being gay, I will finally be in. You don't understand the covenant of God. All I know is that if God will let me in because of Jesus, with all the wackiness that I am, and I am wacky. Anybody want to affirm that? I mean, you're more than welcome to do it. I am wacky. But you know, <laughs> I'm in. And, and there are days when I'm like amazing. There are not many days, but there's days when I'm amazing. And then there are days I'm just, but I don't wake up every day going, wow, I wonder if I'm still in. I wonder if I'm still a child of God. I wonder if I'm still saved. Um, because if you don't get this idea right, you will be covered with shame, fear, and doubt for the rest of your life. So don't worry, we're not the only ones that had this trouble. The Apostle John was writing to a group of people that had the exact same trouble. Because you know, you get saved, you're excited, you, you give your life to Christ, you run out of church today and you're like, this is awesome, covenant, really cool drawings, loved it, made sense, I'm in. And then someplace about Wednesday, you spent about eight hours surfing the web looking at porn. And uh, then you're thinking, I'm just a scumbag. I'm just a, there's no way I'm saved. You all of a sudden start, you know, dealing with anxiety or, or, or maybe you have some doubts in your life and, and, and it doesn't take long to get from a Sunday to all of a sudden to get into a sense of misery based upon your own behavior. And that's exactly what happened to the apostle John's congregation. Fatigue set in. They begin to forget the story a little bit. Remember the plot line? We forget the plot line. They begin to forget the plot line. And we shouldn't be surprised that we get entropy, that we have fatigue, that we forget. We start believing something that's not really the plot line. We, we do something wrong that shoes us away from feeling good about ourselves. Or, you know, we start maybe keeping something in our lives that we shouldn't keep in our lives. And therefore, we kind of feel like God's gone from us. So listen to what God wants us to hear from John 
about his covenant with us and, and, and how it works on a daily basis. So let me read this to you. I'm going to stop a couple times on it. John says, what was from the beginning, what we have heard and what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at, what we have touched with our hands concerning the word of life and the life was manifest and we have seen and testified and proclaimed to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. Now, here's the thing. He's already written to these people or, or spoken to these people. They have already heard. But he's, he says, I'm writing to you now to remind you what we saw, what we touched, what we heard, because they lost the plot line. It's like they forgot what Jesus was like. And they needed somebody to remind them what covenant was really about. What's the real story? Because some of us have been kind of like shooed into a place over here that it's all about hell. It's all about going to heaven. It's all about, and, and John's like, okay, you guys are tired. You're fatigued. You've watched, you know, what's on TV, the news. You've heard the left. You've heard the right. You've heard this and that. And he's like, okay, I want you, let's get back to what we saw, what we touched, what we heard about life. It says, what we've seen and we've proclaimed to you so that you too may have fellowship with us, covenant, partnership with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Now that stopped me right there. Because it would have been enough for me just to have fellowship with godly people. I get to come to church and it's like, cool, you guys aren't going to hurt me. All right, cool. But it's like, no, I'm invited to fellowship with Jesus. It's like, cool, that's great. He's Savior. Like him, shepherd of my soul. Cool. But I have to be honest with you. I never thought I was going to have fellowship with God the Father. God the Father? I mean, aren't, I, aren't my eyes supposed to be burnt out in the back of my skull if I look at him? I mean, isn't that the Indiana Jones thing that happens, you know? And, and it's like, and, and maybe it happened because of my lack of relationship with my earthly father, because of his harshness at times and hardness. And, and maybe that's you too. Maybe it's like you, when you think of father, you just put it out of your mind. But the amazing thing is, is that God's like, hey, I didn't just invite you to believe in a set of creedal statements. I did, this isn't about whether or not you vote Republican or Democrat. You see how small that is? This isn't just about whether or not you have a glass of wine with a meal. Or, you know, this is about whether or not you have fellowship with one another, that you're, you're helping each other, loving each other, forgiving each other walking through conflict with each other, restoring each other. This is about you having fellowship with, with Jesus, partnership, you working on what he's interested in, him working on what, this is about you having fellowship and partnership with your heavenly Abba, your heavenly Father, that you actually have a Father. Dang. Am I gonna let a sin habit take me away from that? Well, I used the F word. I'm not a good Christian. You know, I'm, I'm not a child of God. And we say stupid things like that all the time. Well, if you're Christian, you don't swear. If you're Christian, you don't drink. If you're Christian, you don't smoke. If you're Christian, you don't do this. It's like, you know what? You could take that and put it in your pipe and smoke it. 
You know, I mean, it's, that was my best. I'm sorry. It was, I was going to pay, put your sorries in a sack, but that was from Seinfeld, and I didn't want to use that one. But, but it's kind of like you just, we, we come up with all the stuff. This is what John is saying. This is what we've seen. This is what we've heard, that you too may have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son and with one another. He's like, this is big. This is more than just believing in Big Bang Theory or believing in the existence of God. This is about partnership with God, with, this, with, with our Heavenly Father. He goes on, and I'm, and I'm jumping around here, and says that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie, and we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Now, if you were paying attention, you might have read that verse in such a way that it sounded like the covenant was conditional. If that God is light, there's no darkness. If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. You would say, well, wait a minute. Um, I do walk in darkness. I, I sin. I cuss. I do stuff wrong. I'm jealous. I gossip. I do all this stuff. It's like, well, then you got me all excited about being in. Now you're telling me I'm not. So no, 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 no. <laughs> light is not just, it's not just good ethical behavior. It is being in that place with God of his love, of his mercy, his forgiveness, his truth, his graciousness, his compassion. That's what walking in the light is. You say, well, I don't know, you're really stretching this. You, you must be some sort of liberal or something. It's like, no, well, look at the last verse. It says, if we, if we, if we walk with him as he is in light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. These people are sinning and have fellowship and are walking in the light with him. See, we think every time we sin, we're, we're, we're out. John's like, no, 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 no. No, the light of God just helps you understand what you're doing wrong so that we can get it out of your life, you know? But just because it's been illuminated doesn't mean you're out. No, when God convicts me of wrong, that's light. That's light, I love him for it. When God shows me there's something that's destructive in my life, an attitude that needs to be changed, it's like I'm walking in the light. light. Walking in the light is not perfection. It's the willing to be corrected, forgiven, cleansed, restored, loved, cherished, beloved, spoiled, lavishly blessed. That's what walking in the light is. And in part of it, there is sometimes it goes wrong. And I know you're like, it's like, I don't know. You seem like you're going towards an edge here. Because it sounds too good, doesn't it? Because your heart really wants an old covenant. Your, your heart wants rules. Your heart wants to, to be dealt with dramatically. And, but John goes on to say, he says, listen, if we say that we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. It didn't say... If we say that we haven't had any sin, he says, if we say that we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. He's like, relax. He's not saying go on and keep sinning, but he's like saying, come on. 
There's got to be something valuable about being in covenant partnership with God through Christ and not the law. It's the fact that you can be honest. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to hide. You don't have to let shame dominate your life. This should be the safest place on the planet. Amen. Safest place on the planet. And also, so that's, that's why people will, will try to pick certain sins out and say, well, Pastor Paul, do you, you believe me? I'm sorry, I get really weird. It's just, it's, I have ADD and I just, I can visualize what I want to say faster than I can say it. Um, it's like, let's, let's go back to the, to the gay thing again. Okay, well, it's like, do you, because people ask me this all the time, can you be gay and be a Christian? Well, let me ask you this, can you be racist and be a Christian? Because you've been one for a long time. Can you be a gossiper and be a Christian? Because you've been one a long time. Can you be jealous and be a Christian? Because you've been jealous for a long time. Anybody who enters into a relationship with God through the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and, and, and confesses with their mouth and believes in their heart that he is Lord of their lives, they are safe. And I know some of you are like writing notes, you know, like, your butt. I'm like, stick your butts in a sack. You know, there you go. Yeah. No, but there's a point when we gotta be able to grow. We've gotta be able to grow. Let's stop pointing at their sin and saying it's worse than our sin. Yeah, I can go off the rails so fast. Um, yeah, I'm gonna do it just for a second. Just for a second, and please forgive me. I had another pastor friend said to me, oh, you're gonna celebrate Roe versus Wade being overturned, all the lives that have been saved for children. He said, we're gonna do it at our church today. I'm like, uh, I'm like, okay, um, all right. I said, did you celebrate Juneteenth? No. Oh, so basically you're going to celebrate the liberation of one people, but not the liberation of another person. Do you know what you're saying to those other people? And he's like, oh my God, I didn't even think about it. It's like, yes, we got to think bigger. Covenant is amazing. It's beautiful. I'm not justifying sin in any level in my life or anybody else's life, but there's gotta be a safe place where we get to go to and, and God says, hey, I love you. Here's how it works with me. I, every day, you know, I'll walk up and he'll put his arm around me. He loves seeing me. You know, I really believe that I wake up, his mercies are new every morning and he'll be like, hey, I noticed you got a bag there. What you got in the bag? I'm not ready to reveal that. Oh, okay, no problem. Next day, hey, what you got in the bag? It's like, uh, well, you, you know what's in the bag. It's like, yeah, I do know in the bag, but you don't want me to know what's in the bag, do you? Right? And it's like, and then finally, maybe a little while, be like, hey, look, what's in the bag? It's like, okay, I need to give you this. I really, I know this isn't good for me. I got to turn this. Up. You know, folks, that can take years. That can take years. You know how many times God, I've promised God I wouldn't do something? I won't name it because there's like 10 things I promised I'd never do. God, God just said, will you stop making me promises and just walk with me in the light of my grace, my truth, my mercy, my forgiveness, my holiness? It will get the bag open. And we just got to realize that this is the safest place on earth is to be in covenant with God. If we say that we have no sin, you're deceiving yourself and the truth is not in you. 
If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us from our sins and to cleanse us from all our unrighteousness. He's writing to this to people who are in covenant because people in covenant with God sin. I got a picture here I want to show you because we all got this uh, at our house. It's a piece of uh, workout equipment that I'm sure you guys are using. Um, Those are three highly expensive workout uh, pieces of equipment. And uh, a lot of us have this. We hang our laundry on it. We don't know that our covenant is there to help us grow in strength with God. But for a lot of us, we've allowed transgressions to just hang around, to define us, make us feel unuseful. God wants you to use this covenant. And in this covenant, it says something like this. It says, um, he, if we sin, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. All unrighteousness. He's faithful and just. Faithful and just. It's not about when do you stop sinning. You're not going to. So stop getting shocked by yourself. Get over yourself. Stop trying to be somebody else. Just walk with him in the light as he is in the light and you'll have fellowship with us. You'll have fellowship with Christ and you'll have fellowship with God the Father. You mean the one that used to burn your eyes out? Yeah, that one. All of a sudden you find out that his eyes are full of compassion and love and mercy and he desires that no man or woman perish you know I I know some of you are like pastor I'm really concerned that you're opening the door to a lot of compromise my teenager just heard you and I know they're they're gonna probably drink some liquor on Friday night well they're probably gonna drink liquor on Friday night anyway no matter what I said but you know I'm just maybe um we need to know our way back because we are all like sheep and we have all gone astray The fact that we'll go astray, that's already been proven. We need to know our way back. It's just like that father of the prodigal son. When he came back, it says that as the son was coming back to the father, it didn't say that the father stood there. So woman, before you come in the house, I'm gonna need you to take off the shoes. And I'm gonna need you to tell me how sorry you are for all the things you did. And then we can talk and see how we'll go from here. All right, we'll give it a week. We are told that while the son was still afar off, that the father ran to him and fell upon him. I don't know when the last time you've ever had a human being fall upon you and kissed him liberally and declared as he was walking through the little town with his son, they hadn't even gotten back to their house. They're walking through this little town and everybody's like, oh, it's that boy, it's that homosexual boy. It's that, that fornicator boy. It's that, you know, you know, and the dad's like, oh, shut it, shut it, you know, and just walking through the city and giving that look to those people, all the rest of them Bible builders and saying like, you shut up. He who I made clean, let no man declare unclean. And then he puts a new robe on him, new ring on him. Hasn't even asked him to modify his behavior at all. You think you have to modify your behavior to get the ring, the robe, the return. No, it's out of the return and the robe and the ring that we get the encouragement to lift up our heads 
and to walk with dignity in the love of God and to take that bag that I was afraid everybody else was going to find out what was in it and give it to the loving Heavenly Father and say, hey, I need you to take this from me. That is the plot line. Welcome to Christianity. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you that we, like sheep of all, have gone astray. And I'm not insulted by that statement. I'm glad you have put the light on it. And I am fully aware of my weaknesses and my mistakes. But you didn't expose me, to ridicule me, to humiliate me, but so that I would know what I was lacking, so through Christ I could discover what I'm gaining. And today we are here because just like John's church, we have made Christianity out to be a great many things and forgot what it was. It is the covenant partnership of God sealed to the blood of his son, Jesus Christ, because repeatedly humanity could not fulfill it. And that through Jesus, he has opened a door that none could open. He has made a way when there was no other way. And that he desires that none of us in this room today should perish, but all have eternal life. Let me invite you as you come up to the table. I don't care if you've been saved for 10 years or you're just about 10 seconds into this. Realize when you take that cup, that bread, and you're eating it and drinking it, that is your invitation to covenant. Just say yes to it. Just say, believe in your heart that Jesus died and rose, that his blood was shed for you to have relationship with the Heavenly Father. Confess it with your mouth. Let it become the volition of your soul. Ask God to fill you with his spirit. All of that. Let him put his arm around you. Let him fall on you and kiss your soul and welcome you home to the most safest place on the earth. Thank you, Father. We eat and drink the cup and the bread in remembrance of this great covenant.